Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, go ahead and meet me in 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Again, I said we're going to continue in the second week of life verses. Life verses, again, it's it came about where we were saying, hey, man, we got we know people all across the, the world in this U.S. and folks are they got tatted verses all over them. They have no idea what they mean. John 316 for God so loved the world. Philippians 3, you know, 413. I, I do all things to Christ. And you didn't even know he was talking about being content. You just you just got all these different things that I really want you to know what the word says about you, what it says about God. So we can walk humbly and upright in his presence as we go about our daily walks on a day-to-day basis. We want you to know the scriptures. Not just when we preach, but when you're in the word for yourself. So we're going to be in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17. This is a narrative or a story that I really love uh, looking at the life of Elijah. If you got it, go ahead and stand to your feet as we read the word of God together. 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 together. You got it. Go ahead and say, got it. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's word, starting in verse 1. Text reads, now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, and he did according to the word of the Lord. He went, and he lived by the brook chair that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. Very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, real trust. Better yet, I want to ask you a question. Do you have real trust? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, do you have real trust? Do you have real trust? Not lip service. I'm talking about trust. Let's pray now as we enter the word. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. God, I pray even now as I speak that you would hide me behind your cross. Decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Father, we need a word from you. So, God, I ask that you'd have your way. Speak with my mouth. Think with my mind. Let me do and say what you would have for your people today. God, I do ask that we would trust you more, especially now in the spaces that we're in. Would you be uplifted in our lives? Have your word follow fresh on us today. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together. Amen, amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Well, some years back when I was in college, doing college ministry, there was this somewhat uh, dramatic, it wasn't real, but it was this somewhat dramatic uh, video that was circulating of this severely deranged man uh, that had kidnapped the pastor and his wife and he 
kidnapped them and he, he drove them out into the middle of this open field and he said, I, I'm gonna, he pulled him out of the car, he threw the wife to the side and he, he threw the husband, the pastor on the ground and he had him kneeling in front of him. He pulled out a revolver and he put it to the back of the pastor's head and he said, I'm gonna proceed to count from 10 to one. By the time I get to one, I need you to answer one question. Are you ready to die for Jesus? So the guy proceeded to count down 10 to 1, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. He goes all the way to 1. And as soon as he gets, as soon as he gets to 1, the guy yells, I'm not ready to die for Jesus. guy pulls the gun away from his head and he puts it to his own head. Pulls the trigger. Nothing comes out. Takes the gun down. He opens up the chamber of the revolver and he starts spinning it around in front of the pastor. There's not one bullet in the chamber. And he says, if you truly love Jesus, then you would tell someone like me about him. Now, as dramatic as this may sound, here's a pastor that's devoted his life to telling people about Jesus, a pastor that knows way more than the average Joe about Jesus, but here he is when it comes down to it in a time where he's faced with a trial and even death, the guy who he devoted his life to, he's not ready to die for him. And see, it begs a question for us, are we truly devoted? Better yet, do we have real trust? Do we really trust Jesus? And we may not ever be in a life or death situation like this, but that question lingers, and I need you to think about it. Do you have real trust this, trust this morning? In a pandemic and a society that tells you what to believe, who to believe in, who you are, where your identity is entangled in who people think you are, what they say about you, what your social media says, what you believe about yourself versus what God says about you, I got to ask you again, what does your devotion look like to Jesus? Better yet, is it even existent? Do you have real trust? That's Christian or non-believer like, where are you this morning? Where, where is your trust? Think about that as we walk through this text today. Uh, we look at the Old Testament prophet Elijah, and I, I love this bro I lo love this brother, especially this chapter. And, and as we go through it, I, I want y'all to just go ahead and slip on the boots of Elijah right now. I want you to put yourself in his, his, his footsteps right now. Slip on his shoes. And my hope is that God, through Elijah's life, will show you what it looks like to trust him. Now, at times, I'm going to be honest, we're going to look at Elijah's narrative. At times, as we walk through this, it's going to be very convicting. 
It's also going to be encouraging. But it's going to be really convicting because here's the truth. In America, we don't like words like obey and trust. Some of y'all laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about. We only obey and trust what we think. We like to work by the sweat of our brow, especially in Chicago, Illinois, where we're a blue-collar town. We're like, man, we, we made it. We got Fortune 500 companies, but it wasn't always like that. We had the fur industry. We got steel. We work hard in Chicago. And so we believe in ourselves. So when it comes to obedience and, and trust and trusting in somebody outside of us, it's like, I don't know about that. So my prayer is, as we walk through this text today and we look at Elijah, I hope it gives you a picture of what it looks like to truly serve and trust the Lord. I got two points, and I'm out your way this morning. Number one, true knowledge of God and trust leads to obedience. True knowledge of God and trust leads to obedience. Number two, God's provision. God's provision. Here in our text, we see Elijah go before King Ahab, and he says in verse 1 of the text, as long as my God lives, there shall neither be dew nor rain in this land. Now, y'all got to follow me with this one because this is very problematic. It's problematic because of the context that surrounds King Ahab. King Ahab was said to be the most reckless king of all time up to this time in scripture. He was more evil than any king that came before him. You look at chapter 16, verse 33, it says that he did more to provoke the Lord than any other king before him. That means that he made the Lord angry more than any other king. Now, King Ahab was married to a woman by the name of Jezebel. Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, Jezebel was evil. And although the name may sound pretty, don't name your child Jezebel. <laughs> Trust me. It ain't good. She's a wicked and evil woman. Jezebel made it her life's mission. We're talking about life verses. She made it her life's mission to kill all of the Lord's prophets. She was going to make sure none of them were alive by the time she died. That was her life's mission. She was married to Ahab, but she's the daughter of King Ethbel, who, who was the king of the Sidonians. They worship the god, a foreign god by the name of Baal. Baal is the god of fertility, or they believe he's the god of the fertility of the land and rain because of agriculture and farming, and they believed in this god. So they praised him when it rained, and when it didn't rain, they're praying to him. And if it didn't rain, then they're thinking he's mad at them, and they're cutting their cells, and they're doing all these things. They prayed to this foreign god, Baal. Now hear this, Baal... The worship of Baal would ultimately spell the end of both kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Israel and Judah. The people of God, this is, they would start worshiping him, and it ended the kingdom. Now, stick with me. I promise all of this is going make to make sense in a minute. Now, we also know, according to verse 1 here in the text... Elijah was a man that came from this little town called Tishbe. Now, we don't know, even to this day, scholars can't, scholars can't figure it out, where was Tishbe? And what a, they don't know much about Tishbe, but what we do know, according to the text, is that Tishbe was in Gilead. What we know about Gilead is that Gilead was this rugged and cruel place. It wasn't a polished, sophisticated place. This ain't the space you want to have your honeymoon at. I promise. You don't want to go to Gilead and be like, oh, we're going to have the time of our life. You will not. 
It's a place of solitude. It's a, a place of outdoor life. So in verse 1, you get this picture of this rough, rugged old guy in Elijah walking up to the most prominent, powerful, evil king in the land. Rough, rugged, prominent, powerful, and evil. And he stands in front of him and he proclaims the one and only true God. Look at what he says in verse 1. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, Ahab, when he hears this, Mama Roper, he would have heard a challenge. Because Elijah is basically questioning his God. He said, your God is a fake. My God is real. You think he's the God of rain? Well, it ain't going to rain in this land. I'm telling you right now. So he questions his God. But then on the other hand, he questions King Ahab's kingship. Because he says, it's not going to rain in this land until I say so. Not you, king, but until I say so. So he's questioning his God, but then he's also questioning his authority. Y'all, you got to love Elijah. My man Elijah is a bad man right now. He's not afraid of nothing. He's like, what? You a king? Well, I got my God. He questions him. He challenges him. Now, he's able to say this because he trusted and he knew the God that he served as a prophet sent by God. He had real trust. Which brings us to this first point. True knowledge of God and trust leads to obedience. True knowledge of God and trust leads to obedience. Friends, Elijah, he could have been killed on the spot right now. I just told you, King Ahab is a wicked man. He's, he's, he's reckless. He's, he's married to this crazy woman in Jezebel, and he challenges him. He could be killed on the spot right now for what he's done, but he trusts in God and the God that he truly knew. Y'all, his name even means Yahweh is my God. So Elijah ain't playing. This is who I know. This is who I believe in. Now hear me with all of this, him being a prophet, I don't want y'all to get lost in the fact that he's a prophet that's sent by God. He's called by God and you're sitting over there saying, well, I ain't no prophet, Pastor D. I don't know if I have the power. I don't know if I have the confidence or the boldness to step before somebody wicked and prominent like King Ahab. That's not me. That's Elijah. I need you to hear me say this. Just because you're not a prophet, I need you to hear this. God can use whoever he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to for his glory. You ain't got to be a priest. You don't have to be a, a, a prophet. You don't have to be a king, a pastor. God can use you however he wants to use you when he wants to. The question we got to answer is, are we ready and willing? Could you risk your life like Elijah for God? Did you do it? There was a missionary that I became fond of when I was in um, college I, or a seminary, a missionary by the name of Adoniram Judson. I started sudden. Y'all ever heard Adoniram Judson? He, I studied quite a bit about Adoniram Judson, and he, he pretty uh, significant story. He, he dedicated his life to the work of the ministry and specifically being a missionary where he was going to live every day sharing Jesus with people he came in contact with. He became the first missionary, American missionary, to Burma. But catch this. In the first 12 years of his ministry, he would only see 18 people come to know Jesus. 
Y'all missed it. 12 years. Every day, he's sharing Christ with people in hopes that people will believe for 12 years. And he only saw 18 people trust Jesus. We've seen that in one day at our church. 12 years. On top of that, my man's married to this woman by the name of Anne. They have three children, but sadly, she dies to illness. Leads him into a deep depression. He hasn't seen any fruit here. His wife dies. Could you imagine being here? My man moves on, Judson moves on, and he marries another woman by the name of Sarah. Together with Sarah, he has eight children in 10 years. Y'all thought I had a lot of children. <laughs> this man wasn't playing, y'all. He was getting busy. Eight children in 10 years. Y'all scared to laugh. That's funny. <laughs> he was busy, very busy. But sadly, Sarah would die also. Judson's life reeked with death, loneliness, lack of fruit. He was in a wilderness. I mean, many of you are in this place right now. Could you imagine being in this type of wilderness where you're sitting there and you're saying, God, I know you called me here, but it had to get to a point where he's like, God, I'm done with this. I need to go back home. Can't you send me someplace else? I don't know. I can't do this anymore. I've lost two wives. I got more children than I can handle. I haven't seen any fruit. But Judson stayed obedient and faithful to his call. He would die in 1850. Watch this. Not without leaving the Burmese people without their, their own translation with the Bible. Over 100 different churches started. Over 8,000 different believers. Over 160 different trained pastors, missionaries, and assistants ready to take the gospel wherever they went. Y'all, he stayed faithful. He trusted God, and God provided the increase. But friends, when we look at Elijah's life and we look at Judson's life, it poses the question, if God has called me to do something, better yet, if God has called me to himself where I'm just a believer, can we do this and stay steadfast no matter the cost? Not even a missionary. Can you, stay, can you stand strong and firm with real trust? This is a real question for us today. It's a real question. We're, we're living in a pandemic. Regardless if you think it's over, this and that, y'all, we still in the pandemic. Y'all still got masks on. We're living in a, in a space of uh, corruption. Political mayhem, whether you believe in the donkey or the elephant, it doesn't matter, it's mayhem. Violence across the board, self-centeredness. And as I preached on last week, Matthew 28, God, in the midst of all of this, he, Jesus calls us to go out and make disciples. 
which means that we may not be in a space where we're in life and death with Judson or Elijah, but we also we got to be in this place where we can put ourselves to the side, our wants, our needs, and all the things that we think about in order to live truthfully for Jesus, which is tough. That's extremely hard today because when it seems like Things have been taken away from us, whether that be by force or be by, by a pandemic where we've, we've been, where our rights have been challenged in a way where, where people are having fights over whether you get a vaccine or you wear a mask or this and that. Yo, there ain't no fight. This is about loving our neighbor. Come on now. People are really dying. But when we get to a place where, where it feels like things are being taken away from us and we're already in a place where we're struggling, we, we don't want anything else taken away from us. So what we do is we try to hold on to whatever we can. Nope, you can't take this one from me. I'm taking this with me. I, I, God, you can't have this one. Oh, oh, friend, you can't have this one. And we start fighting over little stuff that never really mattered because you're holding on to whatever you can as you're sinking. It's kind of like when someone's drowning. When someone's drowning in the water, they tell you, if you're going to save them, you need to wait till they either pass out or you jump in the water and you knock them out first. Because if you jump in the water while they're drowning and they're flailing their arms all around trying to get out, you know what's happening? They're drowning and they're sinking. Y'all missing this thing. So what they're trying to do is reach for whatever they can to keep them from drowning and they're flailing their arms. And if you jump in trying to save them, they may knock you out and you drown with them while they're going under the water because they're sinking and they need to grab on to whatever they can. They've lost control as they're drowning. We're in a space right now of a pandemic where things have been taken away from us. Our faith has been challenged. The faith that we have and some of us may not even have, it's been challenging the inward thoughts and the, the inward who we actually are and our identity. And it's saying, who are you? Do you really trust Jesus? Where are you right now as you're sinking and you're in this pandemic and things have been taken away from you? What are you still trying to control? You see, not hold, continually holding on to things and, and grabbing hold to stuff, not letting go, poses a problem in Christianity. Scripture says in Matthew 16, 24, one of my favorite verses, it says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, friends, I know this is tough. God, I can't, I can't let go of this thing. This is my thing. But hear me. Believers have to be willing to trust God with their time, their talent, and their treasures. Their whole life. And the great truth about this is that God gives it back to you more than you can ever imagine. When you lay down your life for Christ, whether it's on this side of heaven or when we get into heaven, he gives you more than you could ever ask for, more than you could ever think of because he loves you and he cares for you. But you got to lay your life down first. This is why we walk through the book of Hebrews for so long. 
That was the whole purpose. We've been in this pandemic, and we're here. We say, we, want, we need you to know that Jesus has all authority, that he's supreme, high above everything, that you need to trust in him and nothing else. Trust in Jesus. And we want you to know what you know, what you know about Jesus. The key word here, if you haven't caught it, is no. Because the simple truth is you trust people that you know. You trust your spouse because you know them. You trust your best friend because you know them. We have to know Jesus in order to truly trust him with all that we have. And if I'm able to step into your kitchen a bit more, I may be already there because y'all a bit quiet in here. moment but the reality is is that we struggle in our faith because a lot of us we're sitting in this place where we really don't know him we know about Jesus but we don't really know him we know how to speak the, speak the Christian lingo but we don't really know him we know Christianese I was born, baptized in the church, baptized by fire. I've been in the church from 8 to 8 every Sunday. I was there on Wednesday. Every day of the week, my mama had me in church. I was in Bible study, Bible school, Sunday school, everything. You know it. I know everything about church. I done read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations about 100 times in my life. I got life verses to name all the, all the date till the day is no more. I could just keep going and keep going because I'm Christian as Christian comes. No, you know about Jesus. But do you really know him? Do you truthfully trust him? And see what happens when we're in this space where we know about him, but we really don't trust him, we begin to trust ourselves. We begin to trust what we think we know, and it leads us into this dark hole of our own depravity. Y'all ever got to a place where you're like, man, how in the world did I get to this place? Got so far off track, and you're like, I don't know how I got here. I was doing so well. How in the world did I get to this place? Friends, we have to know Jesus and trust him. And this does not mean that we won't have dark days because we will. We are sitting in a pandemic right now. There are dark days Right now, there are dark days ahead of us. There are days that you wake up and you're like, I trust God, but today I don't know if I really trust him. Then you're back to trusting him the next day. Then the day after, you're like, I don't know, God. I'm not sure. Y'all, I'm not the only one, right? It's been like that. But here's what I would like to I'd love you to believe with me. See, I'd rather be with God in those dark days 
in those wilderness days than without him. I'd rather be in the dark places with him than without him. Elijah in this passage, y'all, he truly trusted God in a time of turmoil, and we see it leads to his obedience. He knows God, and he trusts God. Verse 2 through 7, I love this part of the passage. My man Elijah is told by God to go and hide by the brook Cherith, and he's fed bread and meat by the ravens, and Elijah trusts him and obeys. This is where we see our second point, God's provision. God's provision. Now, I'll be honest, when I read this part, I had to pause a bit. (laughs) I had to pause, and I had to ask myself, why in the world would an all-powerful God, after using Elijah, go tell him to hide? That makes no sense to me. You could kill Ahab if he came after Elijah. Why would you tell my man to go hide now? You just used him. Why, why, would, why would you tell him to go hide? This makes no sense. And there's a few reasons that we can look at to explain why God would tell him to go hide. One is because God needed to show his power in causing this drought. And if Elijah's still in land, then who do you think the people are going to turn to? They're going to look at Elijah like, look, you proclaim this drought. How do we get out of this? So God has to move Elijah out of the land in order for him to be known and, and, and show his power. But on the other hand, I also think that the God had to move him out of this place so he can take him to this brook where, where, where he can be molded and shaped into who God truly wanted him to be. The brook Cherith, it actually, in its root word, it comes from this root word, which means to cut down or to cut off. So in other words, he takes Elijah to the brook to mold and to shape him into the man that he wants him to be. And we see him use him in mighty ways in the coming chapters. I want y'all to read chapter 17 through chapter 19 and see what God actually does through the life of Elijah. So with all that said, I do believe that he wants him to show his power. He wants to show his power to the people, but he also wants to mold Elijah. But when I read this text, I think there's something else here that God, I believe there's something else that God wants to do, and he simply wants to show his care for Elijah. That, that, that's what I want us to pay attention to. He wants to show that he cares for Elijah. So what does he do? He tells him to go high so you can be over there and I'm going to provide for you. So while all these people over here are going crazy in, in, in this place of the drought, I got you over here by this brook chair. I'm going to provide for you while you're sitting here, Elijah. I need you alive. I want to care for you. So God shows us, you and I, through Elijah's story, that he cares for us. How many of y'all need God's care this morning? Come on now, I know I'm not the only one. I I need to know that God cares for me, that God loves me. But I'm going to be honest. When I read this passage and I look at God's care for Elijah, y'all, it disturbs me a bit. One, you tell him to go hide, and then you read the passage and, and he's being fed by a raven. <laughs> Y'all know what a raven is? Look, look at this picture. This, this is what a raven looks like. I don't want to be fed by that thing. It's a scavenger bird. Eats from dead carcasses left over. Y'all missing this thing. I mean, y'all ever seen a raccoon or a rat in Chicago? 
It, this would be like a raccoon or a rat bringing their favorite meal out of the garbage and saying, hey, you want to eat with me today? It ain't happening, y'all, I'm trying to tell you. Besides that, I don't want to eat with them. I, I don't want to do that. That's just nasty. I don't know where your mouth been. I mean, you're carrying all kinds of diseases and stuff. But, but Elijah in this passage doesn't say anything. He sits at the brook and he eats bread and meat day and night from this dirty bird. Now, as honest as I was, I think we all would be at this space. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, you want me to eat from what? You want me to eat from that bird every day? See, we would steadily be sitting there trying to figure out why God would tell us to go high. Why would you want me to eat from this bird instead of just being obedient? Friends, many of us, if we're really honest, we wouldn't even have got to the place of hiding. God, you want me to go before who? King Ahab, you know, he, he killed people. He's reckless. You want me to say what before him? We wouldn't even have got to the place of hiding. Because our struggle is we, we, we're too busy trying to be God. We're too busy trying to be God or figure out God to follow him. So, so we don't even get to that place, and, and this poses a problem because we tend to miss the ravens of God's provision in our lives for lack of trust and obedience. We miss the ravens, y'all. We miss the ravens of God's provision because we don't trust. Friends, our job is not to figure God out. He calls believers to obey and trust him out of a heart of devotion. And if we take a deeper look at this scripture and the tendency of God, as we look through the, the whole of scripture, if you go from front to back, it's not unusual for God to take the most unlikely person or thing and use it for his glory. We just walked through Hebrews chapter 11 and we look at the great hall of faith and we talked about Abraham, my man Abraham. God took an old man in his hundreds and said, look, you're going to have a baby and through your line, through your son, I'm going to make a great nation. His wife even laughs at the thought. She's like, baby, I'm way past that. We can't have that. But God makes a great nation. He said, the people that come from you will outnumber the sand of the seashore. Flip to Exodus, and you see a man that's born Hebrew but raised Egyptian, this being Moses. He says, from you, I'm going to free my people, the Israelites, out under uh, of, uh, Egyptian captivity. It makes no sense. Then he keeps going, and you see in 1 Samuel, he takes a, a man named David. Actually, he was a boy at the time, the youngest and the weakest, the most feeble son of Jesse. And he says, you're going to be the king that's going to rule over the nation of Israel. You're going to have a heart after my. You're going to be a mighty king. It makes no sense, but here it is, 1 Samuel 16, chapter verse 7. God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but he actually looks at the heart. And if that's not good enough, you flip to 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 27. It says that God uses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. 
But see, God doesn't stop there yet. You get to the New Testament and you see in the Gospels that God comes down in the form of man, second person of the Trinity, Jesus in flesh, born in a town called Nazareth where people thought nothing good could come out of this rough and rugged town. But little did they know that this is the Savior that was coming to save the world. Most unlikely place. Nothing could come out of Nazareth. So what did they do? They beat on him. They kicked him. They spit on him, crowned the thorns on his head. They hung him on a cross to die. Because there's nothing good that can come out of Nazareth, most unlikely place. And then we get to this passage today, and we see God provide for Elijah with a raven. The point is that God can use whoever in whatever he wants for his glory and to provide for his people. Hear me, hear me. Don't miss the ravens in your life. God would use the most unlikely thing to provide for you. Here's the word for you all this morning that we need to hold on to. Don't miss the ravens in your life because God's provision doesn't look like you want it to. Don't miss the ravens. I remember being on a campus crusade for Christ staff, and we were in this struggle. I call it the struggle bus. We were struggling, trying to raise support and, and money so I could provide for my family, missionaries in Indianapolis, and I couldn't raise money at that time. I was having a hard time, and I, I wanted to call somebody so they could just listen to me talk about how hard of a time I was having. So I called another missionary. And I'm like, man, I'm struggling out here, man. I can't, I can't do things. I can't make. I'm thinking he's going to get on the phone and start crying with me. And he said, he said, D, what's going on, man? How much money do you need? I said, we need about $5,000. I need to make it through the next few months, and that's what we need in addition to what we have coming in. He said, oh, hey, hold on, hold on. He goes, and he talks to his wife, and he comes back. And I'm, I'm, he's like, D, I'm going to give you $5,000. I said, what? You broke just like me. <laughs> we both raising money. He said, yeah, 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 but we just got married, and somebody gave us a $10,000 gift, and we want to give you half. Don't miss the Ravens, family. Don't miss the Ravens. It may come from the most unlikely place. Do not miss the Ravens of God's provision in your life looking for it someplace else. Trust him. You look in the passage. After three and a half years, chapter 18, God holds on to his word. He provides for Elijah. Rain does come. And it leaves us still with this same question. Do you know him this morning? Do you trust him with all of your life? What is it in your life right now that you're struggling to truly trust God with? Fill in the blank. Your marriage, your job, your finances, your children. What is it? Whatever it is, I need you to answer the question. Can you trust God with it completely? God, this is, this is where I'm struggling. This is it right now. Can you give it away and say, God, I, I, I trust you with it? Whatever that is, I know this is a tough question. 
But I need you to sit in it. It's a tough question because we're all sitting at our parenthetical brook just like Elijah. We're in a pandemic like, God, I'm waiting on you to get us out of this thing. When are you going to get us out of this, God? I'm ready to get out of this pandemic. I'm pretty sure in the midst of this pandemic, you've started to believe in things that you never believed in. You're starting to trust people that you never would trust. You're on social media trusting stuff that you never looked at, you've never seen before. All of these things. Where is your trust this morning? What is it that God is saying to you right now? Where is it that he's saying, just trust me with this thing? Elijah here in this passage, he gives us a true example of trust and obedience for the believer. He does everything that God tells him to do without one question, even in the midst of turmoil. Friends, this is why I love the story of Elijah, because he's at a brook drinking dirty water. He's at a brook eating from a scavenger bird day and night meat and bread. And y'all, he could have easily just looked up and said, look, look at, look at, looking at his surroundings and the circumstances and saying, I can't do this no more. Asking questions of God, but he doesn't. He just trusts and he obeys. And again, like Elijah, y'all, we're in a pandemic where there has been more injustice than we've ever seen probably in our life, or at least been privy to with social media and our phones in our hand, more corruption, more murders, continuous wars all around the globe. And we have to answer the question that if we can we sit in a place like Elijah and truly trust God when it seems like he's not around? Are we going to stand firm in our faith? Where's your hope this morning? Our hope is to be in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Not everything we see around us, not in your pocketbook, not in what you bring to the table. All of that stuff is going to fade away. You can't take a U-Haul to heaven. It's not going with you. Our hope has to be in Jesus. The world is not getting any better. I know we don't like hearing that, but it's not getting any better. Scripture tells us it's not going to get any better. In fact, as Lauren read this morning, Jesus says in John chapter 16, 33, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you have peace. I love that in me you have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. He does not say you won't have tribulation. He doesn't say you might have tribulation. He says you will have tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Take heart, he says, which means trust in me and believe the world is not getting any better and we need to stop. I'm stepping into somebody's neighborhood here. We need to stop saying I can't wait till this pandemic is over so I can get back to normal. Normal is gone. And I know that's a tough word. I'm just being real. Here's the reality of our world. The Bible tells us that it ain't getting better. And that doesn't mean that you won't have good things happen to you because good things will happen. Y'all have had good things happen to you right now. Good things will happen. But when you look out in the world, it's been bad things happening forever. And it's going to continue to get worse. Our hope is not in the world. It's in Jesus. He is where our peace comes from. Friends, as I end and the band comes forward, you've heard me say this last week. Our faith doesn't stop with him for salvation. We trust him from faith to faith, which means that we got to keep believing every day. Elijah humbly trusts God to declare a drought in the midst of a reckless king. 
He trusted him at a brook. God provided for him. He uses the least likely and a raven to give him bread and meat. With all that said, I end by asking the same question. In the midst of everything that's going on around you or in our lives, do you have real trust? Do you trust Jesus today? As they begin to play and we get ready to pray here, there are some of us that walk into this room and we're saying, I don't know if I really ever trusted Jesus. That's a question that I've grappled with. I don't know if I've really trusted him. I've been over here. I've been trusting in people, places, and things, my own power. I don't know if I really trusted him. And today is the day that God's saying, trust me. Give your life to him and believe in him as Lord and Savior. Jesus, I don't want to do this thing by myself anymore. I believe in you, and I give my life to you. Romans 10.9 tells us that we're saved. When we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior. But then on the other hand, there are people around in this room right now, online, that are watching. You've believed in Jesus, but you ain't really been trusting him. You've been struggling. You've been wavering in your trucks like the wind and the waves. And Jesus is saying, come home, my son or daughter. Trust me today. Give me all of you. I got you. Family, I want you to just bow your heads, close your eyes, and just sit in this moment wherever you are and do business with God. There's something in your life, there's some place that you haven't been trusting, or maybe that's with your life and your belief, period. And God is saying, trust me today. And I just want you to just pray and, and do business with Jesus right now. Wherever he's speaking to you, allow him to do a work in your heart. Allow him to, to let you know that you are loved fully by him, that you're fully approved, you're fully affirmed, that he's all you need, nothing more. It's all found in Jesus. He is our only hope. As we get ready to take communion, if you're in a space where you need prayer, I'll be up front. I'm going to ask. Steve, to come up here too. We want to. We love to pray for you, but just do business with God. Don't rush out of this moment. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are an awesome God, an awesome Father. And we thank you that as that song said, as we just sang, we can run to you and fall into grace because we've been running away. We've been doing our own thing. We have not been trusting you. We thank you that we have a gracious Father that loves us and sees the depths of our hearts and still loves us the same. So God, I know there's people here maybe saying, I, I believe in trusting you for the first time. And then there's folks that are saying, I need to turn and I'm running back to God today. God, I pray that they would know that they're fully accepted and fully loved. And that we can believe by faith, but we also walk by faith, knowing that you'll provide. Let us not miss the ravens in our lives, God. Let us know that even if it doesn't look like we want it to, that you're always looking out, that you're for us, not against, and that you're our provision. Let us believe on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.